Would you pray with me? God of hope, speak your eternal word to us so that we may respond to your truth with faithfulness and confidence. Through your spirit, open our spiritual eyes and hearts so that we may find hope in you and your word and faithfully follow your way. Amen. Today's scripture comes from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 9, verses 1 through 19. I'm reading from New Revised Standard Version. Listen now for the word of God. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, Who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called the Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and the kings, and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me, so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. 
Thanks be to God. It is a joy and a challenge for a pastor to preach on a special day, such as Christmas Eve, Easter, and Mother's Day, which is today. As some of you might know, Mother's Day is one of the top worship-attended services throughout the year, as mothers want to worship together as a whole family in their family pew and have a family lunch following the service. Unfortunately, that's not happening this year again for many people. As many worship spaces are still closed for public worship, and many people are still cautious about being around people. Today, I will not shout out Happy Mother's Day. I apologize to all mothers who are gathering here or worshiping with us online today or another time, and those who are filled with the joy of Mother's Day. That's not because I don't respect you and all the mothers in the world. That's because I do respect all men and women, young and old, all precious children of God. On this special day, I would like us to think about the meaning of the church and all God's children. Can we think about those who cannot fully celebrate Mother's Day. Not everyone has a great mother figure in their lives. Quite several people whom I have known have had a tough time because of their mother's absence or negative presence in their lives. For some people today is the first Mother's Day without their mother on earth. Regardless of how many years it has been since she passed away, many people still miss their mother. Many people are struggling with infertility and eager to have their own child. Some people had to see their precious child dying or have lost their own child. Including myself, many people cannot visit their mother who is in a different town, state, or country, or a place having different COVID restrictions. There are many adoptees, many foster children. Many mothers had to decide to send their own child to another family for different reasons. The church certainly reflects society. The more years I serve the church, the more kids I see in the children and youth ministry who have no mother figure in their daily lives due to divorce, separation, and so on. It's impossible for me to totally understand the pain and loss and sorrow that many of us or many around us experience today on this special day. Again, I apologize to all of the happy mothers, but I cannot honestly share the joy of Mother's Day for all these reasons. Instead, I'd like us to find the hope that all of us need for each day, 
through today's message, no matter what each one of us has gone through. Today, we continue our Easter sermon series, Hope is Alive. Today's scripture is one of the familiar stories in the book of Acts, along with Pentecost in Acts 2. Both stories are very dramatic and powerful through the work of the Holy Spirit. Saul was an enemy of the Christian communities. Literally, he chased and looked for Jesus' followers to persecute them. As a young man, Saul approved Stephen's death when he was stoned. The beginning of today's scripture describes that Saul continuing threatening and persecuting Jesus' followers and received authority from the high priest to capture Christians. The high priest didn't ask him to do at first. Instead, Saul came to the high priest because he wanted to persecute more of Jesus' followers. He was an enthusiastic enemy of the Christian communities. Yet, the enemy began to know Jesus as he encountered the risen Christ on the way to arrest more of Jesus' followers. On his way to Damascus, the one that Saul had persecuted revealed himself through light and voice and called his name Saul. Saul, the one ordered him to go to the city where he would be told what to do. Saul's eyes were open, but he couldn't see. For three days, he had no sight and neither ate nor drank. Now in a vision, the Lord appeared to Ananias and ordered him to go to Saul. Ananias refused to go to Saul because of what Saul had done. No wonder why Saul was the biggest enemy in the Christian community. But the Lord said, go, go. For he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. Following the order, Ananias went to meet Saul and laid his hands on Saul. As Jesus said to Ananias, and Saul saw in a vision, Saul regained sight, and he was baptized and began to proclaim the gospel. The story tells us that Saul's mission dramatically changed from persecuting Jesus' followers to making Jesus' followers. Saul couldn't see for three days and had to be led by hand. The one who actively persecuted suddenly became helpless, passive, and blind. For three days he prayed without eating, drinking, and seeing. Three days like Jesus was in the tomb before his glorious victory and defeat over the dead. Three days... While Saul's eyes were closed, his spiritual eyes were open. When he lost his sight, he met Jesus as his Lord and Savior. When he became helpless, he found the source of true strength. 
three days seemed a painful days, but Jesus turned it into glorious days. It was a necessary time for him to find his true mission and the purpose of his life. An excellent way to read a scripture is to read a chapter before and after a specific scripture because it helps us understand better through connections of different stories around a certain scripture. Acts 8, the chapter right before today's scripture, includes stories of a Samaritan's conversion and an Ethiopian's conversion. In today's scripture, we heard Saul's conversion. Why are these three stories lined up? Why Samaritans, the ones who had a tense relationship with Israel, Israel over, a ten over a thousand years. Why an Ethiopian, unique, possibly a non-Jew, socially marginalized, and minor ethnicity from Eastern Africa? Then Saul, the evil enemy. Ananias and many Jewish Christians questioned, doubted, and opposed accepting Jesus, accepting Saul as a follower of Jesus Christ. Despite others' doubts, Saul believed in the one who called and chose him. He became a totally new person and traveled to proclaim the good news in several Christian communities in Asia Minor and Europe. He never stopped his mission, even during his imprisonment. Rather, he continued it until he was martyred. He is now called as the Apostle Paul, one of the significant figures in the first century. God chose Saul, the aggressive, violent persecutor for God's work. Why Saul? Why not one of Jesus' faithful disciples? Why not one of those who learned directly from Jesus for three years and spent time together with the risen Christ? We cannot fully understand why but we can see how God used Saul and his unique background. Saul was a Roman citizen by birth. The citizenship saved him multiple times when he was caught and imprisoned for years because of his mission in the Roman territory. He had Jewish parents belonging to the tribe of Benjamin, one of the 12 tribes of Israel. Thanks to his Jewish identity, he had a good knowledge of scripture, Jewish beliefs, and tradition. He could speak both Greek and Hebrew as known as Aramaic. His message was heard in Jewish Christian communities and enabled Jewish Christians to accept Gentiles as part of God's family. God used his past, which persecuted Jesus and his disciples, to proclaim Jesus as the Lord in the world. God used every part of Saul and his background and made good from his shameful and painful past as a Christian. During the pandemic, 
there were only a few occasions that I could meet St. Stephen's children and the youth. Every time when I met a child or youth in person, I was surprised by how much they had grown physically over the year. It was great joy that I would not have if I met them every Sunday at the church. Then I questioned to myself, isn't it like God's heart? As God sees us, our spiritual growth. While physical growth eventually stops, spiritual growth has no limit. The Methodist theology also talks about a ceaseless spiritual growth of Christians, mainly called Christian perfection. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, used the term perfection as a meaning of a process of a continual growth being sanctified and seeking a Christ-like life. I imagine God smiles at us as we continue growing and striving to be more like Jesus. Just like my heart was filled with joy when I met a growing child or youth. I imagine what God's face looked like when Saul became a Jesus follower, when he shared the good news with the Jews and Gentiles when he boldly proclaimed Jesus as his Lord in front of the Roman authorities. Paul truly teaches us about lifelong, endless growth as Jesus' follower. Without exceptions, all of us have some wounds and pain from the past. Some of us may experience painful Mother's Day. God's healing work doesn't mean that God erases our pain and past as if they never happened. God's healing power is to transform our wounds into something good so that the wounds can serve as an instrument to bring Christ to others. As Saul, the Christian enemy, became an instrument that God chose to bring Jesus to both Jews and the Gentiles. If we truly believe that we are Easter people and we believe in our risen Christ, we should open ourselves to God so that God can work for us, through us, even through our pain and wounds. That's because God turns our sorrow, tears, and pain to joy. That's our Christian hope. I don't know how. But what I believe is that God can do what God wants if we allow God to do. If we make a space for God to God's work for us. When Ananias met Saul, he laid his hand on him and said, Brother Saul. Along with the Samaritans and Ethiopians' conversion stories, Saul's conversion teaches us that God's family certainly is broader than Israel's bloodline because Jesus died for us, not only for Jews. 
Jesus' cross calls for everyone to be part of God's family, in which God is our mother and father. God nurtures us, cares for us, feeds us, and guides us to the right path. God cries with us, and God smiles with us. God also chose all of us and uses us as God's instruments for the world. When Ananias called Saul brother, he also said, the Lord Jesus has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Through Ananias, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to Saul. Jesus' physical presence was not there for Saul, but through Ananias, Jesus enabled Saul to receive and experience the Holy Spirit. In John 14, 18, before the arrest and crucifixion, Jesus made a promise of the Holy Spirit and said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. The author of Hebrews reminds us of God's ever presence. I will not, I will never leave you or forsake you. Despite our shameful past and the wounds that we may have, God promises that God will never leave us or forsake us. Saul's conversion proves that God chose and used the Christian enemy for God's work. Jesus' death and resurrection prove that there is nothing God cannot overcome. Our lives prove that the Holy Spirit works within us because God promised. God certainly transforms our pain and wounds to joy so that our tears become a foundation of our faith to proclaim the good news to those whose, those whose spiritual eyes are closed and those who look for light in the world. Again, it happens if we let God do God's work in our lives and through our lives. This is our Christian hope. Jesus, our risen Christ, is our hope. The one who gave up his only life because of love. The one who defeated even death. As Jesus was born and died for everyone, the hope in Christ is for everyone. As the church of God, let us rise hope and share hope with the world. Let us show the world that what it looks like to know and meet our risen Christ and what it means to be the church, the God's family, Today, I'd like us to contact someone who cannot fully celebrate Mother's Day and share words of hope that we find in Jesus, our risen Christ. We do this work of bringing hope to the world with God, who chose us and uses us for God's purpose. 
and with the Holy Spirit who is always with us now and forever and evermore. As a closing, please join me in the prayer of St. Patrick. I hope and pray that this will be our sincere confession and witness today as we find once again hope in Christ. You're welcome to listen with your closed eyes. You are welcome to focus on your breath, remembering the Holy Spirit in your breath. You're also welcome to pray together with me with your voice. Let us pray focusing on each word and pause in the prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of every man who speaks of me. Christ in the eye that sees me. Christ in the ear that hears me.